welcome to JC Family. Today we're going to start our brand new series, Cultivating a Heart of Humility. So if you're taking notes, this is the series you want to be taking notes on, Cultivating a Heart of Humility. And I'm so glad that you've either turned up or you've tuned in, that you're here to hear the Word of God. Last week we spoke about keeping our hearts clean, keeping the connection clean. And so we talked about that. We talked about what we need to do to keep a connection clean. But today we're going to talk about what? cultivating a heart of humility. Good job. Let me share this scripture with you. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor. Everyone say before honor. Now everyone say before honor. Before honor is humility. Humility comes before honour. Everybody goes, oh, yes, yes, yes. We want to know the honour. We want to be honoured. We want to be lifted up. We want the accolades and the applause. But before honour comes humility. Before honour comes humility. How then can we cultivate the heart of humility? And that's what we're going to be addressing in this series. That's what we're going to be looking at. But first of all, I've got a story for you. So the other Friday night, we hung out with the pastors. Every, every couple of months or so, the bunch of pastors gather together on the north side. We sit around the fire. We have this incredible fire night. We sit around. We have food. We have fellowship. It's really wonderful. About nine o'clock, I'm leaving the fire night. It's wonderful. I'm leaving the fire night, and I'm heading home. And as I'm heading home, I see a BP garage, and I think, man, that's pretty cool. How convenient. It's a wild bean cafe is attached to it, and so everybody knows I have to stop because I could hear the coffee calling. You know, coffee was calling my name. Pull in here, Phil. So I quickly pulled into there, pulled out, grabbed a cup of coffee. I've got the white mocha wild bean cafe coffee. And I get back in my little, if you've seen my little pram, motorized pram, they call it, the little MR2. And I'm pulling out of the garage, right? now. And as I'm pulling out of the garage, this is a garage I haven't pulled into before. And as I'm pulling out, I have this fleeting moment. Do you just those, anyone have those, those moments where they think, this looks really like an entrance, but there's no cars around, so I can't really tell. But it looks a little bit like an entrance, just the way it's sort of swept in. I think it doesn't matter. There's no one around. So I pull out of the BP garage, coffee in hand, well, in the cup holder, because you're not allowed to drink and drive. And I drive myself down the road. And I find myself, I'm driving down the road. And I'm just enjoying the journey. You know, like a, the lights are on, the music's playing, the coffee's good, life is fantastic. I've had a great night. And all of a sudden, there's this clown coming towards me. I'm like, what a flaming goose. It's like, what is he doing coming towards me in my lane? He's not even overtaking anything. The guy's an idiot. And so I'm driving down the road, I'm thinking, and he's coming towards me. I'm like, dude, can you realize I'm here? I'm in your lane, for goodness sake. And I'm thinking, what an absolute clown this guy is, right? So I'm driving along and I start slowing down. I'm thinking, geez, I've got to slow down. He's slowing down, I'm slowing down. I look left to think I need to find a shoulder to pull off because this idiot's not getting out of my lane. And as I look left, there's this concrete barrier, which is pretty cool. All of a sudden, I notice there's two redundant lanes on the other side of the concrete barrier. I thought, what a weird place for lanes to be over there. And then it dawns on me, he's not the clown on the wrong side of the road. And, And I'm kind of looking, and there is nowhere to pull over, like, you know, because you kind of have that quick moment where you go, if I go right and he goes right, this is going to, so I just kind of, you know, you just kind of grip the wheel and go, just go straight, just go straight, just go straight. And so I'm going straight and I can almost imagine what he's thinking. What is this idiot doing? 
what is he drinking? And I promise you, I hadn't drunk anything except a non-alcoholic ginger beer. I was sober as a judge. It was fantastic, except I was in, however, the wrong lane. Brings me to my point. You ever thought about how often we're going the right way? We're still heading home. We're still going the right way. We've got heaven as our ultimate destination. We are moving in the right direction. We don't need to repent. Repentance means to turn at 180 degrees, to stop going this way and start going this way. I didn't need to repent. I was already going the right way. I was just in the wrong lane. It's going to be the thrust of the whole message today. We can go the right way, but be finding ourselves in the wrong lane. How do we know we're in the wrong lane? Because suddenly there's obstacles. Suddenly there's hindrances and there's people in our path that perhaps shouldn't be in our path. And so as I'm driving down this road and I'm thinking, he's a clown, he's a clown, all of a sudden I realize I'm the clown. I drive on, he goes around me, I drive on a little bit further and I find this break in the barrier. And so I quickly swing to the left and I'm driving then in the right lane all the way home. Do you know what I noticed when you're driving in the right lane? This is really cool. Nobody else was in my lane all the way home. Like I didn't have any more hindrances, no more obstacles. Everybody was going the same direction. We were doing the same thing. It was fantastic when you're in the right lane. But when you're in the wrong lane, there's obstacles, there's hindrances. And I want to talk to you this morning about cultivating a heart of humility. Because I think that sometimes what humility is, is recognizing that there's a potential you could be in the wrong lane. I want you to think about it this morning because if you think about it, you kind of go, you're driving down the road. And I wonder whether this was kind of like the Holy Ghost when I first pulled out. He's like, you know, you're going, you know, mate, pay attention. He's like, no, 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 there's nothing coming. I'm good. You pull out. You're driving down and there's this car there and you're like, can you imagine for a minute if I had been one of those guys that goes, mate, I pay my rego. I pay my rates, I put fuel in my car, and I am not getting out of this lane. This is where I'm going to go. I'm going to stick to what I know. I'm going to keep going. God has called me to go home. I'm going to stay where I am, and I'm going to keep driving. Can you imagine? You know, there's a word for people who drive like that, isn't there? Apart from the other word that we're not going to use for here. But the word I was thinking of this morning was pride. People who suffer from pride never recognize that there's a potential there in the wrong lane. People who struggle with pride always think that their way is the only way. They always think they're right and everybody else is wrong. People who struggle with pride can never imagine, they can't even conceptualize that there's potentially a problem in their life. They just keep pushing on. They just keep burying down, I'm in the right lane, I'm going the right way. You know, the problem with pride is people with pride never recognize that they actually have pride. Pride keeps us driving on the wrong side of the road. Pride makes us stick to our way and shut down any consideration that there could be another way. Pride says, I'm entitled to do this. Pride is basically the attitude that says the world revolves around me. As I drove a little bit further, I shared that I drove a bit further and I noticed a break in the barrier and so I pulled over. You know, I want to say to you, create, creating a heart of humility is actually coming to a point where we recognize that perhaps... Perhaps there's another way. I want to say to you this morning, if you find yourself heading in the right direction, we're not talking about those who are going the wrong direction. 
We're talking about those who are going in the right direction, but you feel like you're always hitting a roadblock. You feel like there's always a hindrance. There's always something else in your way. Can I maybe just ask you to just consider, because we're creating and cultivating a heart of humility, could it be cool if we just took a moment to consider if there's a lot of obstacles and a lot of opposition and a lot of roadblocks in your way, there's a potential that you may be in the wrong lane. You're going the right way. You're just in the wrong lane. So part of creating a heart of humility is taking the time to examine our lives. Self-reflection is one of those incredible gifts from God that he seems to have given very few people. The capacity to look at their own life and question whether they should continue the path that they're going on. I want to share with you a scripture this morning out of Luke. And I think Jesus had the same problem 2,000 years ago. You know, 2,000 years ago, pride is nothing new. 2,000 years ago, people still had pride, right? People still went the wrong way. People still came across obstacles and hindrances. People still had to deal and cultivate a heart of humility. And we're going to read from Luke 7, 14, verse 7. And Jesus is talking about the wedding feast. And he says to them this. Are you ready? Everyone got it? It's up. Look at that. So quick. Thank you so much, team. He told them a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, just take a minute, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place. Don't sit down in the best place. Lest one more honourable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come to you and say, give place to this man. And then you being with, begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when he who invites you comes, he might say to your friend, go up to the higher place. Then you will have glory and honour in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. What's he saying? Guys, some of you are driving in the wrong lane. He gives this great analogy to them. He says, listen, when you're walking into a place, this is good advice, isn't it? When you're walking into a place, don't assume that it's all about you. When you're walking into a place, don't assume that you're the most important person in the room. When you're walking into a place, don't assume that the whole world or the whole party or the whole church service is going to revolve around you. When you walk into a place, sit in a position of humility. Sit in a place to say, I'm here as a guest. I'm here to come and to support those who are more esteemed than me. And if you sit with that place, then he notices and brings you up. Do you know what I notice in church world? This is a funny thing. In church world, sometimes you find people who come in and they've got all the ideas on how the church should be done better than what you're currently doing it. And so they have no problems in telling you how you should be running a church differently. To the, and they have all the ideas on how the worship team should be worshiping differently and the prayer team should be praying differently. And are you following what I'm saying? The minister, kids' ministry should definitely be doing kids' ministry. And the service team should definitely. They've got loads of But when you come in, 
Jesus says, if you want to cultivate a heart of humility, come in realizing that there's people that are preference before you. And if you come with that heart, and he's not talking about a false heart of humility, is he? He's not talking about those that pretend, you know, like, and and if you've been around church any length of time, let's not just talk church, let's talk our workplace. You've been around there any length of time, you start hearing things, oh, no, 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 I'm not looking for anything, I'm not looking for anything, but secretly, we know they are, right? Because when they don't get it, what do they do? They sulk, they sulk, they leave, they quit. I want to say to you this morning, church, Jesus is giving a great message to disciples, to disciples, to begin to cultivate a heart of humility. If you want to be exalted, if you want to be lifted up, then perhaps it's time to realize that you may just be riding in the wrong lane. Some people, not here, in the other churches, They seem to be forever driving in the wrong lane. Some people, not here, you guys are beautiful, but some people that I've come across, they're like, it's all about me, me, me. What can I get? What can you do to service me? Instead of going, I am invited to the table to honor the bride and the groom. That's why I'm invited here, to honor the bride and the groom. I am coming in to honour the bride and the groom. And when I do that, God is going to bless me. Are you getting that this morning? All right, let me just share a couple of things with you this morning. Many of us, humility is one of the hardest habits and traits to develop, pretty much because it has to start from a recognition that you're not always right and that you don't have all the answers. And that, for some, I'll just point to myself, is a very difficult concept to grasp. I've got a quick illustration for you. A little while ago, this will be including my son today, I thought I'd give my daughter a break. So a little while ago, I was talking to my son and I struggle with visualization. So I was talking to my son and as I talked to him, I began to lay objects out on the table to explain something to him. Being that he's 21 and married, he didn't think that was very cool. In fact, he said to me, it reminds me of PTSD. It reminds me of when you lectured me when I was a kid and you'd lay these stupid things. He was quite irate about it, actually. I must confess, I had no idea that even annoyed him. I was oblivious to the fact that my lane was perhaps not the right lane to be driving in. So, as I do, I rang my mum afterwards. I said, Mum, Mum, did you know that when I'm explaining something, I'm often prone to laying out objects to explain how it's going to work? She said, uh, duh, that's because you have no capacity to visualise, so you lay objects out. I'm right, okay. But then I had this next, this next, you know, those moments where you have those epiphany moments. You ready? I know this is going to sound really funny, but it's truth for me. I had this moment where as I'm telling my mum this story and I realise that all my life, when I want to get something through to somebody, I will often play it out. I'll lay it out so they can see it and they can visualise it, right? Because, because if... I share something with somebody and they disagree with me, it's not because I'm wrong or because they disagree with me, it's just because they haven't understood it. So I just keep explaining it a different way and a different way and a different way until they finally understand. 
I had this moment while I'm talking to my mum on the phone after having this discussion with my son. I have this incredible moment that, I know it's weird, but I had this moment where it's like, oh, sometimes people just disagree with me. And it's not because they don't understand. They did understand the first time. They just don't agree. I know that you laugh. No, no, I'm nearly 50 years old. That thought had never entered my head before. That sometimes somebody could disagree with me. I just assumed if they disagreed, you don't know what I'm saying. Oh, oh, I get it. You're just not real smart. You don't understand. I get that. We all know what it's like to deal with somebody who's a little bit not as smart as we are, don't we? Put your hand up if you've had to ever, ever, ready? Put your hand up if you've ever had to deal with somebody not as smart as you. Put your hand up. Come on, really high. Put, please put your hand up. If you've ever talked to somebody and when you're talking to them, you realise that they don't understand because they're not smart as you. Come on, please, put your hand up. Anyone? We're going to have an old call after for those who need to repent of lying, but I'm going to say to you, that statistically, you know what they say? Statistically, 98% of people think that they are smarter than other people. Well, statistically, that's very hard to do. You can't actually be smarter than everybody else. The problem is that sometimes we're in the wrong lane and we're thinking, what a total clown. Can't he see what I want him to see? And God's trying to say to people today, um, hello, there's a break coming up. Might be a good opportunity for you to switch lanes. I meet people all the time in ministry world. I meet people all the time and they're hitting barrier, hitting barrier, hitting barrier. They're coming up against an obstacle and another hindrance, another obstacle. And you're like looking at them and you're like, dude, you are so full of yourself. It scares me. Do you know what the problem is? They don't even realize that there's another lane. They're not even aware that there could be the potential for a change. It's not that you go on the wrong way. You could be going the right way. You're just in the wrong lane. What would it look like if we started asking that question of ourselves? God, am I in the wrong lane? What would it look like if we started inquiring a little bit? God, I feel like you're trying to I feel like you're trying to tell me something here, Lord. I feel like, you know, there's been a car and there's been another car and there's been another car and there's been another car. I feel like you might be trying to get a message across to me that there's another lane. I never knew that when my children got really frustrated and angry, it wasn't because they didn't understand. I just assumed, sorry, that they disagreed. I just assumed they didn't understand. I remember a story, and I'm going to share this in finishing today. Um, I'm going to pause and say, by the way, guys, up at the desk, I love you guys. You're amazing. But the countdown clock and the clock on the screen are very different because the countdown clock tells me I have 13 minutes and the clock on the screen tells me I have one. (laughs) So I'm not sure how long you guys want to be here for today, but I am definitely not going to be following the countdown clock. (laughs) I'm following it for a minute, and I'm like, oh, I'm really excited. I've got 13 minutes, and I'm like, I do not have 13 minutes. I can almost feel you guys like you're looking at your watches, aren't you? Thinking, 
thinking to yourself, you definitely don't have 13 minutes, Phil. I have a lunch appointment at the hotel and I have a dedication to be through. Can you hurry it up, please? I'm hurrying, I promise, guys. All right. Are you ready? You ready? Cultivating a heart of humility. Number one, we recognize that perhaps as a potential, we are in the wrong lane. Number two, cultivating a heart of humility, we begin to look for an area where we could adjust ourselves. Stop trying to adjust everybody else. Stop trying to make everybody else move out of your way. Just cultivate a heart of humility and realize that maybe, just maybe, you could move out of their lane. Let me give you number three for cultivating a heart of humility. And Dr. Abel shared this story many years ago. Dr. Abel was a wonderful friend of the house who's since gone to be with the Lord. And many years ago, he shared this incredible story. He said, you know, there was this world-famous preacher And this world-famous preacher was paid thousands of dollars for his tape ministry. And this world-famous preacher was invited to speak all over the world. He was a conference circuit speaker. And one day, as this preacher was walking through the halls of his auditorium, he saw the room that said, Editing in Progress. The door was ajar, so he stuck his head into the room. And he saw behind the desk this little man who was listening to the sermons cutting the tapes, splicing them together, listening for the long pauses and cutting them out of the sermon. This little man was doing all the work to make the sermons professional and polished so that the tapes could go all over the world. The pastor said to him, he said, doesn't it bother you? Doesn't it annoy you? Doesn't it rub you the wrong way that everybody knows my face, and everybody knows my name, and people inquire to fly me all over the world, and they put me up in the best hotels, and they take me to the best restaurants, and they look after me, and and all of what I do is based on what you are doing. Doesn't it bug you that you're serving in silence, and nobody will ever know your name? The man lifted his head, and I love the way Dr. Abel said it, because he said it with that deep Indian accent. He lifted his head, and he looked at him, and he said, I know him who keeps the books. I know him who keeps the books. I want to say to you, church, cultivating a heart of humility is coming to a point where, one, of course, you recognize you could be in the wrong lane. Two, you look for a break to change the way you're going. But three, it's focusing on the fact that I know him who keeps the books. Jesus said in John chapter 5, you know, he said, I don't receive honor from men because you don't know the love of God. I know God. I'm not looking to be honored by men. And do you know what the problem is? So often we want men to honor us. We want people to think we're wonderful. We want the accolades and the applause of men to come our way. There's not a person who doesn't want that. In one way or another, you either want your spouse to tell you you're fantastic, your boss to tell you you're fantastic. Everybody struggles with this at one point or another. The truth is, we need to come to a place where we can honestly say, I know him who keeps the books. I'm going to finish with this this morning and ask you, do you know him? Cultivating a heart of humility is knowing him who keeps the books. Imagine if there was a better way. Instead of just forcing my way and trying to prove that I'm right, what would happen if we simply said, I know him who keeps the books? What would happen if we simply said, you know what? God ultimately has control over this situation. I believe that there are spouses who serve in marriages 
that are less than fantastic, but they stay faithful to their promise. I know him who keeps the books. I believe there are people who turn up to their boss every day and their boss is hard and obnoxious often. I know him who keeps the books. I know people who come to the church and they do nothing, I don't say this, nothing. They do nothing but wipe tables. They will never be up on the pulpit preaching. They'll never be world famous like me. That was a joke. For those who didn't get it, it was definitely a joke. But I know him who keeps the books. Do you know him? I'm going to ask you this morning, close your eyes and bow your head just for a minute. Because I want to just take a couple of moments before Clinton comes up to share communion this morning. I want to ask you to take a couple of moments and just simply say, God, am I going the right way but in the wrong lane? God, I feel like I'm hitting hindrance after hindrance and your word says that you will exalt those who humble themselves. Father, would you help me to see a break in the barrier? Would you help me this morning to change lanes? Father, this morning, I want to give my life to you and my direction to you. Would you guide me? Would you lead me? Jesus, would you be the navigator of this life and this journey? I'm asking this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, sometimes we don't know where to start. We don't know where to finish. But can I just suggest that a simple prayer of handing the wheel to God and saying, God, help me navigate life better would be a great starting place. If you made that prayer today, if you made that suggestion, then can I suggest, let us know. Come and see us at the information table. Send us an email. Give us a call and let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.